this is uh, Michael McClure, and welcome to another episode of Unk Few. I am joined today, as I always am, by my nephew, uh, my partner here, and uh, just an all-around awesome dude, Mr. Brendan Michael Lemon. Brendan, are you there? Yes, sir. Hello, hello, hello. Today, we're here to talk about uh, actually a pretty serious topic, which is yeah. uh, what we call the, the death of of journalism. And, um, uh, you know, the title, I think, is pretty self-explanatory, but recent uh, events in American history have uh, clearly revealed, irrespective of which side of the political spectrum you place yourself, and again, to sort of reorient for you, our listener, if you've not heard us before, I lean, I lean to the right, but not radically so, I don't think. I'm very um, liberal on certain policies, and Brendan is sort of a mirror image of that. He leans left, but he also can be conservative on some issues. So, um, and and I, I, I'm really sincere about that. We're not we're not saying that to you know to try to like manipulate you in some way. It's the truth. But irrespective, I mean, we're of, not. This isn't crossfire. You know what I mean? This isn't like we're not taking opposite sides of every issue, but we do disagree on some things. But. I think we both have yeah. a rather even-handed view of, of most things. And even if I disagree with my uncle, a lot of times I, I, can, I can see and understand his reasoning. Right. And, and, and also, we, we don't rehearse these shows, which is evident in the lack of quality. But um, we don't <laughs> rehearse the shows because we want it to be as organic and honest as possible. All that said, no matter where you fall on the political spectrum, you'd have to agree that uh, at a minimum— uh, things are no longer entirely objective. And I uh, hang with me, Brennan, just one second. I want to set up some context here and then, and then I'll let you jump in and lead the conversation on yeah, the you most, you know, the, the events that have happened most recently that caused us to want to do this show now. But, but what, what I want to say is, again, I'm, I'm a lot older than Brennan, obviously I'm his uncle, which doesn't make me older, but in, but in this case it does. And I grew up, um, I was alive when Richard Nixon was a president of the United States. And again, if you're Brendan's age, that's ancient history, but probably, um, and Brendan, Brendan is 30. But uh, the, the, the real quick story on Richard Nixon is he was a U.S. president and he was caught or, or his minions were caught um, video or videotaping, uh, recording uh, things and breaking into the Watergate Hotel, which is a famous hotel in, in Washington, D.C. And Basically, by today's standards, committing some sins that were clearly sins, clearly crimes, but compared to a lot of stuff that's happening today, really almost child's play, you know, almost like misdemeanors as compared to today's, you know, rapes and murders, figuratively speaking. And when, um, and when that was discovered, you know, there was a famous uh, Woodward and Bernstein were the two reporters that broke that story. And, um, and, and Nixon, you know, was, was hung out to dry. And, and he resigned uh, in, in shame because of these allegations and, and these facts. So back then, and for many years since, uh, the, the general perception among the American people was, and I think accurately so, that the press was for the most part objective, whether it was the Washington Post or the New York Times or the Los Angeles Times or any other major you know, news source, and then, of course, came, then came the news networks like CNN, etc., there was this belief that, you know, uh, that, that reporting was honest. It was objective, and, and my perception on that is that that was, I mean, pretty accurate. Of course, there's always yeah. a bias. There's always humans involved. 
But still, it was every source was reporting things kind of consistently. And so then we fast forward up to, again, I don't know what date to pick here, but let's say it kind of all started when, um, when Bill Clinton was in office. And I still think even during his tenure, the reporting was pretty objective. But I think that's when things started to maybe change a little bit. And now we find ourselves here today where there's just violent disagreement regarding how things are reported. And I'll stop now. I just wanted to provide that context. So you, you can jump in and respond to everything I just said, and then you can lead us into the specific things you want to talk about today. Yeah, so like the, well, just what I was going to say is that I would evidence for sort of the, the idea that at least implicitly Americans believed their news sources were objective is the fact that I, I, I could be wrong about this because I wasn't around at the time, of course, but my perception of, let's say, the Watergate scandal in particular is that no one questioned no one was seriously questioning the news reporters' motives in that in that situation. I don't think Correct. people started calling into question what Woodward and Bernstein were trying to do uh, to you know what what is their agenda in this whole thing. Like I don't think that was a their agenda was to report the news. That was I think everybody pretty much got on board with that. I, I think that the climate has changed hugely because we now question the agenda of the person who's reporting the, the data. And I think that that is a substantial change to the, um, you know, to the, the conversation. I think it's, I think it's really relevant to, to keep that in mind. Um, so, so I just want to point that out as the evidence because I could easily see some listener going, what is, you know, I don't know, is it, have it gotten less, you know, has it gotten less objective? What's the deal? Well, it's whether or not it's gotten less objective, which maybe it has, and we'll talk about that in a second, given, given some of the things that are taking place today. It's that we certainly all think implicitly it's gotten less objective because we have questions like that. So anyway, the, the two things that we wanted to talk about that sort of spurn this situation today and the cause for this particular conversation are this, the, the, the flooding in Louisiana and then also the rioting in Milwaukee. And I mean, I think I'm, I'm happy to talk and start with either one. I think either is kind of interesting because they're both reflections of things that have taken place previously. Obviously I think Louisiana is interesting because it's a reflection of the hurricane Katrina problem that took place years ago. Uh, and then, and then the Milwaukee situation just comes as the latest example of a series of these kinds of events in which some, uh, you know, a young black man is shot by the police. And then there is a whole bunch of social upheaval. Um, but what makes both of these kind of unique and is examples of either of their sort of situations is that it really feels, and we both agreed on this, that the media is under reporting or misreporting uh, what is taking place in either situation. And I, I will go ahead and let you, you know, go take the lead in terms of which one of these you would like to speak about, because I'm open to either one. Um, so go ahead. Okay. Let's start with the, um, the Louisiana situation. And, and again, let me sort of give some context here because uh, depending upon the age of the listener, this context may not be obvious. So uh, back when Hurricane Katrina hit, which was uh, about 10 years ago, uh, George Bush was the president. 
uh, George W. Bush was the president, and he took enormous heat for, he took enormous heat, he, W. took enormous heat for the handling of that, the Katrina situation in New Orleans. Uh, and in fact, I'm, I just Googled New Orleans George Bush, and I would invite you to do the same right now, because what you'll see I'm just reading off, I'm literally reading the first one, two, three, four, five items that appear in that search. And this proof, this just makes my, the exact point I was trying to make, which is, uh, these are the headlines I'm reading now. Hurricane Contrita was the beginning of the end for George W. Bush. The second one, criticism of government response to Hurricane Katrina. The third one, George W. Bush never recovered politically from Katrina. The next one, the flood that sank George W. Bush. And I'll stop there because you get the point. But the media was all over this, and Bush was roundly criticized. And, you know, I don't want to, I don't want this to become like a, a retelling of the whole event because you can go back and read it yourselves, and many of you will already know it. But the point is, there was this small gap of time when the response to that flood was deemed not sufficient. And the government was deemed not prepared. Now, we, that's just to set the context here. Now we fast forward to what's happening right this minute, which is a similar situation. And, uh, and Obama has been on vacation and has not visited the, uh, the, the, the situation at all. And, and yet the, the media is really very silent on the topic. And again, this will sound like it's a, it's a, it's a, an attack on Obama. It really isn't meant to be. It's really an attack on the media because all you know, the point we're trying to make here is look at how differently the same media is handling a similar set of circumstances. And again, you can go back and Google this and see the firestorm that happened 10 years ago versus the complete lack of a firestorm happening now. Yeah, it's, um, it, I mean, it's just very clearly, and, and I would evidence for, for this, the fact that until even recently, <clears throat> recently meaning the last few days, I didn't even, I wasn't even aware that there was anything going on like this in Baton Rouge and in Louisiana. I wasn't aware of the flooding was at some kind of. Well, well, yeah, let me, let me, let me comment on that because um, uh, I know this to be true because um, I texted Brendan this morning. Again, this is how little we prepare for these shows. I texted Brendan this morning when I was at the gym, and I just said, hey, what do you think about doing the death of journalism for our show today? And he said, you know, that sounds great. And then he came back and said, you know, we can talk about Milwaukee, the Milwaukee riots. And then I said, yeah, and Louisiana as well. And I don't recall exactly what your response to that was, but you said you texted something that... I think I said, where's Louisiana? <laughs> no. He didn't understand why I mentioned Louisiana in this context. So that proves the point so perfectly that, you know, it's a major story and he's not aware of it. And I don't consider Brennan to be a, you know, a completely unperceptive person who's totally out of touch with world events. So that, that proves the point that he really didn't know what I was talking about. And I think there's a lot of people out there that don't really realize this is a major story. And it is. Or, or I, actually, it isn't. Well, it would be, uh, I think, except it's not being reported, which I guess is the case. Exactly. It's exactly why we're talking about it. But like, it's, it's just kind of crazy because as soon as I started looking into it, I was seeing, oh, here's a 
you know, article on how, uh, um, caskets are coming up from the ground because of this thousand year flood. Here's an article about how literally tens of thousands of people had to be displaced out of Baton Rouge because the flooding is so great that it's overcoming all of these levees. It's completely, uh, washing over entire communities. Uh, there's people who are uh, literally dying, trying to, uh, save the electrical system from completely imploding, which could cause even more damage. I guess wow. some guy got fried on the wires and things like that. Um, yeah, some of the photos that are just on Reddit alone when I went looking for this were, were really harrowing. I mean, like guys who are climbing up in pouring rain, soaking wet up to these electrical boxes to try and uh, make sure that they're, I don't know what they're doing, but, you know, functioning properly. Um, I do think it's a little weird that it's not set, that it's not being reported in the media. Um, I would think that, well, there's two things that are happening, I think, which is that, so you were saying, I'm not even, I'm not, this is not an attack on Obama. I know you're not attacking Obama. I think that a lot of people are attacking Obama. Um, I mean, he is on vacation. I feel like it's definitely kind of weird. I I, want to make this clear. He's not my darling. I mean, I don't, love the guy. I like him. I, 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 I'm going to admit that openly. Um, but there was a lot of what I was looking at this morning was that there was a lot of criticism and I think appropriately, but what was fascinating about it is that some of it was, you know, uh, the governor, John Edwards was coming back with, look, I, I don't want Obama to visit right now because I need the people who would be otherwise used to try and secure his, uh, arrival for doing first response stuff. Like I can't take police officers away from trying to, you know, s- save my community and the communities in Louisiana in order to try and make sure the president's safe. So I don't want that guy to even visit here right now. Um, which I thought was a rather reasonable thing. Um, however, I do think it is weird that George W. Bush was so, heavily and seriously criticized for a situation that doesn't look at this point terribly dissimilar from what's taking place right now. Exactly. And again, if you do a, if you do another Google search of, you know, uh, of Obama in Louisiana, you'll find headlines like this. And this is from politico.com. Obama hammered over Louisiana flood response. Um, Obama to visit Baton Rouge on Tuesday following criticism. Um, uh, breaking after Trump criticism, Obama agrees to visit Louisiana. Um, uh, our views, this is from something called theadvocate.com. Our views, vacation or not, are hurting Louisiana needs you now. So it's starting to come out, but I think it was it was almost like the, the media had to be uh, shamed into doing that because this event happened, uh, I don't know the exact date, but I mean, I think uh, like a week ago. And... And these articles that I'm quoting are from like two days ago. Literally, it's two days, two days, two days, three days, 18 hours. So these are all newer stories. Um, but in any event, it well, let's not get hung up in um, in <clears throat> even though we, we we need to we need to make a point. Uh, we, we need a, an illustration like this. You know, I think the the larger issues are really more worthy of discussion. In in particular. What are the implications of a non-objective media in a country like the United States? I mean, the most powerful and influential nation in the world still by a lot. 
And we've reached this place where I think most people don't trust the media. And it doesn't matter which side you're on, you know. And and let's try to put some balance here. Okay, let's try to let let's try to let me let me just say this and then and then I'll stop. But you know, let's talk about Fox News a little bit because I've said this in one of our one of our prior shows, and I I recall your response to what I said, and you said that's the probably the most you know the most accurate description of Fox I've ever heard from anyone. And remember, I lean Republican, but I can't watch Fox because you know five minutes into it, I, I'm seeing the bias so clearly uh, that I can't watch it because it just you know even though they're they are articulating my points of view much more accurately than CNN does, for example. The point is, it's still so biased that I can't watch it because I really am interested in the truth. And so, uh, you know, where do you go? I mean, uh, if, you're, if, you're, if you're a Republican, you look at the CNNs of the world and the MSNBCs, et cetera, and you, you're like, oh my God, I can't watch that shit because it's so biased. Well, if you me, lean me, left, you look at Fox... Because- Oh, I was going to say, let me jump in here because, I mean, I, I certainly feel that way about Fox News, uh, as you can imagine. But I also feel that way about MSNBC, and, and we'll, we'll talk about Milwaukee in a second because I do want to get back to the point that you were making where you said, you know, what do you, what do, you do? Like, what, what, what happens in the world where you don't think you can really trust your news source? And I, I think there's more to go into there. Um, a lot. So let's not move away from that particularly, but... You know, regarding the Milwaukee situation, the reporting that uh, Rachel Maddow was doing on MSNBC, and I don't have it in front of me right now, I just saw it the other day, was, um, I thought, totally ridiculous. That the way, I mean, just the way she was describing the situation and the way that, I mean, the the deference and the um, concern and focus on the on the feelings of the rioters was was like sort of the main thrust of her report, which was not the fact that there was tons of looting and burning down of buildings in the community. And this is weird because like, I'm the kind of guy who would uh, legitimately take the position of the rioters a lot of the time. It goes, look, these are people with grievances and they've put up with enough from like, you know, the uh, oppression of, of power in their community and things like, like, like that. I'm the guy who would be normally making that argument. But it was just so bizarre because it felt ext- just totally, um, totally off balance. And that is an indication to me and has been of how, how MSNBC has been reporting in general, which is just that, hey, the liberal, listen to us because we're just going to tell you things that you like. And I, I just really felt like I have this, tr- this like bullshit trigger that goes off when I start listening to it. Cause I'm like, look, I, you're, I can, I feel like you're telling me things that I want to hear. And I don't, I don't like that. It doesn't make me feel like this is accurate. Um, just to return to, so, I mean, I, I just want to make that clear too, because I mean, your, your feelings about Fox news, I think are, are, I mean, of course I think Fox is biased, but I'm the liberal in this argument. I'm also saying that MSNBC is, is doing that similar type of reporting. And, and CNN outright reported the Milwaukee story incorrectly. I mean, outright. Uh, I think you, are, you're aware of that, right? Well, I, I only am because, you know, I don't watch CNN, so I, I only would know it because of researching for, like, a conversation like this. But I, I, do, I did do a, a search, you know, again, a few minutes ago, and I'm looking at a video which is called CNN Admits to Propaganda About Milwaukee Riots. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, so, it's, it's not even... It's not even a, there's no question. I mean, they, they misrepresented very deliberately 
I mean, the, you would it would have to be deliberate. They misrepresented. Well, yeah, of course. Yeah, the the words of the uh, sister of the uh, man who was killed by police, and in this, and you can look this up, and I would encourage anybody listening to go do all eight of you listening to this to go do that. Uh, she essentially said, I mean, there, were, there was a clip of her saying, you know, I don't, you know, there's rioting going on, and she's saying we shouldn't be doing this shit in our community. You know, these are, this is our place. These are our buildings. We need this shit here. Like, I, we just can't be doing this. And then CNN, like, cut off the, the clip. So it sounds like she's saying, uh, don't do this. Just no, no one should be violent in this situation. Well, she goes on to say in the rest of the clip that didn't appear in the original CNN report, we should be doing this in the suburbs and breaking up white people shit and destroying their shit. And that's where we need to take this. And like, that's the end of her saying this. So it's not her calling for a stop of violence. It's calling her, it's, it's calling for a use of violence in against other people. And moving. That's exactly it's, it's a, moving. a relocation yeah. of the rioting. Yeah. yeah and, and I don't want to, well, I don't want to, I don't want to take this off topic, but I do want to just say very quickly that I continue to be amazed at the thought process behind rioting as an effective tool for social change because it just it just doesn't work and you know this whole black lives matter again i don't want to get off on this but i do want to say that for every positive i'm 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 making air quotes around the word positive for every positive change that results from an organization like Black Lives Matter, I don't, and, and whatever that is, people becoming more socially aware or whatever that argument might be, I would say there's, a, there's, a, uh, there's another side to that coin. And the other side of the coin is that I think there are a lot of people who I would describe as 99.5% non-racist Caucasians. People who really, truly are not racist. People who really, truly have been living in and among many other races, including African Americans, uh, for years and with, with no issues and happily and everybody's getting along fine. And, of course, there's always, there's always the extreme case of the Rodney King beatdown and that kind of thing. And the whole series of events that have happened more recently that... I think have been ridiculously politicized, many of them, not all of them, but many of them. But the flip side of that coin is that people who I just described, the 99.5% non-racist, and I say it that way because I think every human being has, has inherent biases, and there's no one on earth who is 100% non-biased in some manner. So I'm acknowledging that. But I think a lot of those people have been moved from 99.5 to 94.3 or 91.2 or 85.7. And that's not good because I think there's a lot of there's just a lot of people that are so pissed off that this stuff has been allowed to go as far as it has. And not only that, but when you dig deeper and find out who's funding this and what those people's objectives are, et cetera, et cetera, and how that stuff doesn't get reported either. And then to just throw gas on the, the, the actual fire we're here to talk about, you know, we're not even discussing, and again, this is within the, within the context of a non-objective media. We're not even talking, you know, in detail about the way that the, uh, the way that the Republican convention was covered by the media, the way that the Democratic convention was covered by the media, the way that Hillary's FBI report 
uh, and, and subsequent testimony by uh, Comey, uh, how that was reported, or how Loretta Lynch's testimony before Congress was reported. And the way that uh, Debbie Wasterman Schultz, uh, you know, the whole thing about Bernie Sanders and how he was, he was, uh, you know, I, I mean, there was a conspiracy to screw that man. And how well, there's a Debbie Stanford Wasserman study. Schultz, I mean, there's, a, there's there's a Stanford study that was released recently that says unequivocally, look, we have the data to prove that the election was stolen from Bernie. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't doubt that. I don't doubt that for a minute. And where's the where's the media outrage? Where is the I mean, I, and here's what's crazy. I have a bunch of friends that are, you know, I would call them pretty hardcore liberals, much more liberal than you, for example. And it's amazing to me because I've had debates with a lot of people on Facebook, for example. And, you know, if they were truly objective, they would they should be standing up of their own volition and saying, what the fuck? Whether you're for Hillary or Bernie, as long as you're a Democrat. You should be, you should have been outraged by what happened because it seems to me that if you're a Democrat or a Republican, you want whoever the real people's choice was to be your candidate, wouldn't you? Yeah. <laughs> and and yeah, yet, well, I mean, look, where's the outrage? Where's the outrage? Where is the? And there, and yeah, the I don't reason, know. And it, oh, yeah, let me let me finish. I'm getting to my point here. My point isn't where's the outrage. My point is that. I think there's a lot of people out there that truly, even with all the evidence we have in hand already about the, uh, the media truly being not objective, they still sit back and whether it's conscious or subconsciously, they think like this. Well, wow, it seems totally fucked up that Bernie, I don't know, it seems like maybe he got screwed there, but there's just not much being said about it in the press. So I guess it's not a big deal. Right there. I think that's exactly how it works. I think that's right I think, there. I think you hit the nail on There's that. the problem. I think that I would say, even if they think about it that much, you know, like I think mm-hmm. that, I think that it very well might be the case that it's not even thought about that much. I mean, we, you know, so I think here's what I think is going on here. I want to back up because you said what happens, the original question that kind of drove off on these sort of series of, of rants uh, that we both had um, is what, what happens when you don't have an objective news media? And I think that a couple of things happen. I think that, the first is that, I, and I would encourage everybody to look this up, I think that we are beginning to live in a state of what's called future shock. Um, so this is a term that comes from science fiction. Um, I think there was even a book written called Future Shock. But it's a yeah, psychological term. And it's, yeah, and it's been adopted by psychologists. And some people even argue that we're in a different state called present shock, um, and which the two have a nuanced point. And I won't get into all of that currently because, frankly, it's it's – it's not interesting to try to hash it out here. But the, the, the point is this. The state of future shock, as it's described, is basically the, the pace at which information occurs is increasing. And not only is it increasing uh, quickly, its pace of increase is also increasing. So it's like an exponential. It's like a, it's like a U-curve that's just like flying up. You know, one of the things, and you and I had had a conversation about this, I think, last year even, and I remember saying that, um, the pace of information creation now is that every week and soon to probably be every day, more information is created and broadcasted than has ever been created in the history of mankind until this point. Meaning every week now we create more information than has ever been created until the year like 1990. 
Like all of that information yep. is created new every week. And it's impossible for someone's brain to try and make sense of this very, uh, very quick and confusing world. It's just very, it's very confusing and it's very complicated and it's nuanced. And the human brain is not, first of all, not good at dealing with a lot of that stuff in particular, um, dealing, I mean, with nuance and, and, and subtlety and things like this. But in a world in which those things are occurring very, very quickly and very rapidly, and the old news story is now being replaced by the new news story, it becomes impossible to grasp onto anything. So it's almost like, I mean, we talked, this is talked about in the media before, which is that the news cycle just kind of moves on. You just go to the new thing. And part of it is like, I don't even know if this is necessarily the journalist news reporter's fault in the sense that, I mean, they got to report whatever's new. So it's like, if Two weeks ago, there could have been a money. I mean, the Hillary Clinton emails is a great example. Like that was a substantial thing. Like that was a huge fucking deal. And we, we, we have not gotten to the bottom of it. I mean, somebody hacked the DNC servers and we don't know who that is. And, but we've already moved on to the next news thing because it's just new stuff has happened. And I don't know that that's necessarily evil. I don't think that there's, it, I'm not, I'm saying that I don't necessarily assign that to conspiracy. It could very well be that there is conspiracy there, but I'm saying that that is just, if I'm a news person, my job is to report whatever's new. So that's like the first thing. But the problem with future shock also is that it creates a world in which we want very easy and simple answers. And I think that, you know, what, what people who are in power and Vladimir Putin openly does this uh, what people in power are able to exploit is provide simple answers to a very complex and, and confusing world that become very easy for people to latch onto. And I think that both, both sides of the, of the political aisle do this. Uh, I think, I think both of them do this. And again, Vladimir Putin does this openly using like Russia today and as a, as a megaphone for this kind of thing. I mean, why is why is, are, are we having uh, economic problems in Russia? Why is there an oligarchy? Well, it's because the West is is causing us to, you know, is, is causing all kinds of problems. It's because of you know Chechnyan rebels. It's because of illegal immigrants coming into Russia from the Middle East. It's because of the problems that the United States is causing in Syria and the impact of oil flows and stuff like this. I mean, I think that's the easier example to point out because it's outside of our political spectrum and we can all agree on that kind of thing. But the type of narratives that Vladimir Putin is producing in order to try and control the media and therefore the population in Russia is not dissimilar from exactly what is taking place in the United States. And I would I, 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 I mean, I am no fan of Hillary Clinton. We've talked about this before. I, the Clintons are masters of this kind of thing. Um, they're very good at getting rid of news stories, producing new news stories, trying to, I think, play people off of one another in the media, um, avoiding news stories and cycles. I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it's nuts. Um, I know I'm not giving any very good examples on the American side, so I'll sort of move on from this point, but you see what I'm saying, right? Absolutely. And let me just respond because you've said a lot there. But first of all, I think the, your point about future shock, future shock is an excellent one. And um, I, I looked it up on Wikipedia and basically I, I've been reading it while you were talking. But the, the, the real thing to get from that is it's too much change, too much change in too short a period of time. I think you're dead on with that point. And that's that's a separate point from the one we're talking about. But it serves to make this like a big ball of um, 
uh, as uh, as Bill Burr said about a woman's brain, not, I didn't say this. Bill Burr did. It's a tornado of misinformation, <laughs> and 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 so this is why this is such a complex issue because you you have the original issue we're talking about, which is non-objective media, which I am absolutely certain is a, re- a reality on both sides of the aisle. So there's that factor. Then there's this future shock factor that you mentioned of. Just too much shit. There's just too much stuff for people to process, and you're absolutely correct about that. Then another point you made, which which uh, further complicates things, is the the nuancedness of so many of these issues. I mean, if you really want to, you know, get into just pick an issue like the Hillary email scandal, uh, or the the something another thing that's not talked about in the mainstream media at all, all the people that have died in the last six weeks. Who are who have some close connection to the Clinton, to the Clinton campaign? I mean, that's not being talked about anywhere, and yet, yet it doesn't seem like anybody's disputing the fact that these people have died under very mysterious circumstances. And I don't even know. Uh, you're and then about. finally, are you serious? Yeah, I'm serious. I I, I okay. really don't know what you're talking about. Thank you for proving my point. And and I don't even want to get into that because that's that we need to do a show just on that. But and then and then the last point I want to make again I'm just reinforcing your prior points, and I'll introduce a new point, which is what makes all this such so so difficult to manage and get your arms around and and what why is it so hard for the average American to really understand what's true and what's not? We have this massive factor that I would call the explosion of social media slash blogging, where you have all these voices out there. Who have who have created? I'll call it like a gray media. You know, it's like it's you know you know what I mean by that. It's it's just yeah. it's not official media, but some of these people have have created audiences that are that are large enough, uh, and they 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 create media consistently enough that you know people really pay attention to what they say, and and or just individual people in your life that you're connected with on Facebook, who you've or or some other social platform who you've come to. You know, you respect their opinion. So when you look to them like, well, what's this person going to say about this issue? I'll take my cues from them. I do that all the time. And I think, I think that people often take cues from me because I'm so outspoken on a lot of these issues. But that, yeah. that just makes it even harder because not only do you have, you know, like you said, the, uh, whatever the year is, we have more information being created in a week than existed in all of humankind's existence before 1990 every fucking week. And that, like you said, it's, a, it's exponentially increasing. Add on to that the social media, you know, implications or, or not implications, but the social media impact on that same point of all the information you're getting from social media and the people in, you know, in social media and it, it really is, it becomes almost impossible for the average person to, f- to filter it properly, to process it properly. People don't have time. We're all so fucking busy that we're getting information in little chunks. Like, I got 20 minutes of shit here from Facebook. I got five minutes here as I walked through the airport. I was watching CNN. I got, you know, 20 minutes of it here in the waiting room at a doctor's office. I mean, that's how we're getting this shit. And then I'm looking at, I'm looking at my phone and I'm getting it on Twitter and and on Facebook, and so it's a wonder. And, I, and you're right. I think that certain people, like Putin, like the Clintons, have. Uh, and in fact, you you uh, told me about this concept. I don't recall why we were talking about this. Actually, it was back in one of our very first shows, um, like last year or whenever we started. But you told me about this guy who um, 
who I don't know if he worked for Putin or whatever, but the the point it was it was like a, a dissonance concept where yeah. Putin was putting out information on both sides of issues just to create more confusion. Remember that? Yeah, 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 yeah. So that's well, exactly. So this is another. We've met, I've mentioned this before, but what you're referring to is a, is a very short documentary made by Adam Curtis in which he and I forget the name of the documentary. I think it, I think it might be, and this is just off the top of my head, but I think it might be called Odeerism number two, because he made a very short documentary called Odeerism. And then, um, in which I, I won't go into, but, but I would encourage everybody to look this up, but it, uh, it was called, I think Odeerism number two. And it was exactly what you described, which is Vladimir Putin did exactly that. He put out information on both sides of an issue specifically because it was more confusing in which after, you know, he made it more confusing specifically his answer as the authority figure stood out as even stronger because it, it cut through all of the confusion. Uh, I, I mean, that's it. You're this, by the way, is exactly the situation in Germany in the 1930s, in the late twenties, early thirties. There was a lot of confusion. There's a lot of misinformation, disinformation, separate camps that were all vying for one another in terms of trying to become the answer to questions. I mean, National Socialism was just one of those examples. I mean, there was other parties that were vying for one another for political control, Democrats, communists, all kinds of stuff. And, and literally, the the Nazi Party just got better at making the uh, their answers sound sweeter and easier to digest and also cut through the confusion the average German citizen had to deal with when they were getting straight answers from the Democrats and the communists and everybody else. I mean, the social Democrats in, in I mean, not to make this a history lesson, but the social Democrats in Germany were the stronger, larger party. Uh, for most of the 1920s and 30s after the Kaiser stepped down. It was literally just the ability of uh, Himmler and Hitler to put out uh, answers that cut through a lot of confusion that caused people to rally to the, to, to the Nazi party. When you look at our current news cycle, you know, then I don't know. I don't, I don't even know why you're listening. <laughs> well, a couple points. One is you're correct. It is called Odeerism 2. I looked it up. And uh, the description fits exactly with what you said. The description is short film examining the global events of 2014 to reveal a chaotic morass, the reporting of which is increasingly difficult to comprehend in the context of the 24-hour news cycle and the Internet. So I'm pretty sure that's the one that uh, you're referring to. And secondly is, yeah, you're. I mean, I'm terrified. I, I mean, let's just cut right to the chase on this is that... I'm truly terrified with where we are as a nation, and this uh, this uh, non-objective media is a much more pervasive part of the problem than most people are giving it credence for being. I mean, there's no doubt in my mind that if we had an objective media, that Hillary Clinton would be in jail. I mean, she really, truly, or she should have been indicted, whether she goes to jail or not. I guess that's a different conversation. Again, that's not a political statement. That's a factual statement. If you just look at what yeah. Comey said, you know, I mean, I, I don't want to, again, I want to repeat everything I've said in the previous show, but, you know, that's a, and, and just stop and think about the implications of just that. That changes the entire political landscape of this nation. Instead, 
she's just still on her merry way to maybe becoming the president of of the United States. And it just seems insane to me that a person who's done what she's done is still in it. She's still in the race. And so that's just one example. You know, that's just one example of a whole slew of things that, that we could talk about. So, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't have any answers. I don't, have, I don't even have any theories on where we go from here because I don't see these issues getting any better. I think the media will continue to be biased as hell in a variety of directions. I sincerely don't know of an objective news source. I've asked people that I respect, like, you know, if, who, where do you go to get objective news? I've heard BBC a number of times. Yeah, I go to the, I go to the BBC. I think uh, the, uh, the Toronto Globe uh, is pretty good as well. The Globe and Mail, they're, they're not bad. But uh, in terms of American news sources, I, I really like um, Vice. I like Vice News. I think Vice does it. We've talked about this before. I think they do a very good job with uh, objective reporting, with really deep on-the-ground stuff, like embedded news reporting from places like the, Donetsk, the People's Republic of Donetsk, uh, for example. I mean, they had a, their journalist got kidnapped in Donetsk. That's how in the action their, their people get. Wow. I mean, nobody from, nobody from CNN or MSNBC or Fox or, you know, uh, no other news source got close enough to have anything like that happen. That guy literally got, he got kidnapped and they had to, the United States had to apply political pressure to get the guy out, which I thought was kind of amazing. That shows you how close they get. But, um, just to, to back up a little bit, one of the guys who I really like from Vice, who's an independent embedded news journalist, is a guy named Tim Poole. Um, Tim Poole is his name. I would enc- encourage you and anybody listening to look up. He runs his own blog as well. He's a really, really good guy, I think, in, in, in terms of very interested in getting the story and wants to get the story that you're not going to read about from the New York times or ABC or CNN or whatever. I mean, he's, he typically he'll put out, he will even put out a blog reports and YouTube videos critiquing other people's news report about things that he had witnessed particularly. And he'll go into why they're not correct or what they missed, which I think is really fascinating. And he did a lot of this with Ferguson that he was on the ground. He was shot with tear gas from the police. Um, he was uh, attacked by, he was, he was the one who got a lot of the footage of the other news uh, journalism crews getting attacked by the police, which is kind of fascinating. Um, he got arrested. Um, anyway, I'm saying this because I'm going to go into another point and pivot this conversation back to Milwaukee. When I, because I, I'm saying this to you because he is a very objective, independent news guy. I mean, he's, he, you know, he was in Ferguson. He got attacked by the police. He, essentially had to run away, but he stayed in Ferguson long after the action stopped and collected a lot of stories about people's places who had gotten burned down and people who had gotten affected by the the riots in Ferguson. So you can really see how heavy and bad the situation in Milwaukee is when he goes on to Dave Rubin's podcast and uh, YouTube show, the Rubin report and says openly, I left Milwaukee because I felt unsafe as a, as a white man in the activity that is taking place in Milwaukee. Uh, he, wow. he left, he left. Yeah. Yeah. It's, that's how wow. I, I didn't even realize really what was taking place in Milwaukee until I heard that report, uh, from him. And that's when I was like, Holy shit, I got to pay attention to what's happening here. 
Um, and that's when I discovered the Sienna misreported the, uh, the, the, the sister of the, uh, of the victim, um, you know, saying, calling for, you know, the, uh, the, the action in the suburbs. And I, that's when I started discovering all that stuff. I had no idea. I mean, they literally, I mean, Tim pool is on Dave Rubin's pie, uh, uh, show saying, you know, these, these are just the objective fact of what was taking place. Here's what I witnessed. I have video of this. I have recordings of this. Um, and he's like, they're taking, they're actively seeking white people driving through the area, pulling them out of car. I feel weird even just saying this, by the way, like, I feel like I'm transgressing some kind of, you know, I'm inside, I'm in, in, I'm in my girlfriend's apartment here in Chicago. Uh, and I feel like I'm transgressing some kind of weird social boundary by just listing what he said to Dave Rubin. They're, they're, the riders in Milwaukee were looking for white people driving through, trying to pull them out of their cars. One of them like, pulled out and shot in the neck. Didn't even do anything, according to Tim Poole. He was like, he was just a guy who was passing by and was in the wrong place at the wrong time. That was it. He was assaulted by this group. And then the, you know, the sister of the victim was calling for, to destroy white people's shit, quote, in the suburbs. I mean, like, the, he very distinctly is saying in Dave Rubin's interview, look, this is where this has gone. The black lives matter movement is behind us. Like totally. I think that they've kind of lost their marbles on this. I mean, he even says in the interview, he's like, look, I was on board with everything they were saying in terms of police shooting and the fact that black people are being, um, you know, have, have gotten, uh, 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 unfairly, um, you know, treated by the police. Um, and whether or not you believe that I, he's saying this and I can agree with him as well. I mean, I I think that that's just the case. I think that there's, you know, there's what we're witnessing in terms of, uh, of, of black people getting, you know, shot by the police and the police not having, even having a, a, uh, an investigation into the, what happened in a lot of them, I think is totally ridiculous. And I think that that probably has gone on for years. And the only reason it's coming to light now is because we have people who everybody's got a camera in their hands. Okay, but that being said, he's, he's saying this is not any longer how it's taking place, and I had to leave the city because I felt unsafe. I mean, the fact that that is not being reported in the mainstream media and that Rachel Maddow is taking the side of all of these, like, rioters is, it is nuts. I mean, I, I just can't even imagine. I don't even know how to, how to even describe it properly. My feelings about it are just so, like, it just seems so completely misreported and underreported uh, across the board. Right. And again, all that, all of that. And I, I do want to, I, I want to add one comment to what you just said, and then I'll come back to what I was about to say. So uh, I, I think I may have mentioned this in, on a prior show, but if I didn't, uh, and, and another perfect example of things that the press pretty much ignores, especially when you consider the source of this. So this is from the New York times, which most people consider to be, you know, a liberal publication. I certainly do. And this is recent. This is from July 11th, 2016. This is last month. Okay. Last freaking month. And the title of this is surprising new evidence shows bias in police use of force, but not in shootings. So, uh, and you know, I, you can find this easily. It took me two seconds to find it. But basically, grossly summarizing this, it says that there is 
evidence of bias in comparing how police react or deal with Caucasians versus blacks. It's fairly clear, but when it comes to the stuff that really matters the most, which is people getting shot and killed, there's almost no statistical difference. Did you know that? That's actually not what I heard. Um, what I heard was the, the fact... I'm looking at it. Cited the, the, the fact that Sam Harris cited on his podcast to a black economics professor from uh, Atlanta, whose name escapes me because I don't have any of this in front of me, what he actually cited was different, which was that when it comes to the real facts of police shootings, you're actually more likely to get shot by a police officer if you're a white man. That's what he cited. And, and it's, Whoa. it's statistically significant. He was saying, like, look, it, it, you are, you're more likely to actually get shot by a police officer if you're white and the police officer's white. That actually turns out as the highest probability of what's taking place. Now, I'm not sure if that's because there are just more white people. So as a greater percentage of chance, if the police officer pulls and draws a, a gun and pulls a trigger. Mm, that should be contemplated in how the reporting happens. But in any event, I, you know, let's assume, well, actually, let's ignore what you just said, because it's, it's more in the direction that I'm going than I am. So let's just, let's just focus on what the New York Times shows. And again, this is, uh, this is also uh, via a professor of economics at Harvard, okay, who is, I believe, the primary source for this information. Harvard, and he's black. A black professor yeah. from Obama's alma mater is the primary source of this information. So, you know, this didn't receive, I mean, I did hear about this. Actually, I, only, I saw it on, on Facebook. Somebody posted this on Facebook, and I think I saw it one time from somebody. I, you know, I, I shared it myself. Almost no one commented on it uh, because political correctness would preclude us from having a conversation about this, of course. Uh, but in any event, it just shows you, it just shows you, again, how, how there's a narrative. There's a, there, there's a narrative that is, is very real, that is alive in this country. There are many narratives. And it's just a matter of which one has the most power behind it, which one has the most money behind it, uh, which one has the most political force behind it. And it's just so freaking hard, you know, for me. And I'm really trying to find the truth uh, in, in these issues because I, I really I want to know. I mean, I think most honest people are, you know, all of us kind of want to we want to have our opinions reinforced. Let's I can't deny that. But I also think there's some number of people out there, and I'd like to count myself among them, and I, I consider you to be absolutely similar, if not more so than me, is you really want to know the truth. It's not like you, you're not, you don't have a, you don't, you know, it's not like you have a direct dog in these fights. Um, I mean, we, we all have a dog in the fight in terms of the future of the country and how we think it should go, of course. But beyond that, we're just ordinary citizens who want to know the truth so that we can make decisions accordingly. And it's just, you know, again, this, we don't have a point we're leading to here. At least I don't, maybe you do, Brendan. But for me, it's more, I wanted to provoke thought on these things and, and to, you know, uh, to make people really think about the reality of the bias in the media, because I just see too many people who post things on Facebook and basically say, See, I told you so, and they post something that's so such, such obvious bullshit. It's so obviously or it's spun. So, it's, or, or, yeah, yeah, it's obviously spun. Or it, it, here's where let me tell you where the rubber meets the road in terms of this kind of thing. Is I, I, I have two points, I guess, and I know we're kind of running up a little bit on time, and maybe we'll go a little bit over, which is which is fine. But you know the um, 
the first one I want to point out is that this, you know, this, this kind of thing doesn't occur in a vacuum in the sense that like they, you know, it, a, a, a well-informed body politic is important for a healthy democracy. I mean, that's just, I don't think any of it. If you don't agree with that, I think then, uh, then that's a whole, there's a real problem. And I don't, I don't know if we could ever meet on in the middle, but you know, it's, it's, it's obvious. And the, the case is that what, what, people see today who study this kind of thing is that many people continue to get informed by and only want to get informed by things they already agree with. So like my, like I said earlier, like my bullshit detector goes off when I start hearing news that confirms and continues to confirm things that I believe already. Um, That makes me feel like I'm probably in the wrong place, if that makes sense. Like, I think like, okay, this is, there's no way that this is only reinforcing things that I believe because I, I just don't, I just, I just don't, I just can't imagine the world is working out in the, I I had too much turmoil in my life (laughs) to, to, at a personal level to believe that the greater macro world is exactly the way I want it to be. If that makes sense. Like, (laughs) right. Uh, but anyway, what I'm saying is that not a lot of people do that, and they continue to return to news sources that support their narratives. And, I'm, and, 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 you know, again, I think the left is as guilty as the right, but the examples I have are things like Breitbart.com. Um, and, uh, and, you you and consider that, that to be a, a, totally, a totally unobjective source? I consider it to be, I think that parts objective. Yeah, I think parts of it toe the line. But I would say that, it, you know, on the left, things like Democracy Now! and uh, progressive websites, even places like HuffPost and, and of course, Jezebel and places like this are like very, very liberal and report things with huge spin to whatever direction the, they think the reader wants to hear the story to go. Um, so, I mean, I hope that's even handed, uh, in my response to that, because I think Breitbart is to maybe conservatives, what the HuffPost is to liberals. Um, and I don't know that those things are a one-to-one equation, but you, you get the, you get what I'm going for. Um, right. So that being said, uh, you know, there's a, there's a real problem when we can't inform our political process with, with, uh, even handed opinions. And as a caveat to that, I would say another one of these guys, uh, who I follow on YouTube. So take it with a grain of salt, but a guy who I follow on YouTube, who I, who I really do like, um, even though I disagree with a lot of what he says, is a guy named his tra- channel is, is Sargon of Akkad. I know that sounds nuts, what? Uh, but his name, what? yeah, Sargon of Akkad is his name. Yeah, he's the he's taken the name of a ancient uh, a philosopher king way back in ancient times in ancient Mesopotamia and named that after his YouTube channel. He's a guy in England. I mean, he's not trying to hide his identity. He openly, I mean, you know who he is. I forget his name, but. Um, I think it's like John something, but Joseph the point is, is that like, yeah, John, John YouTube. But anyway, he, um, he did a report recently, a two part. I mean, he covers a lot of this kind of like liberal leftist like movement, um, which is why I disagree with a lot of the way that he portrays it. But recently he did a, um, he did an interesting two part episode about, uh, cult behavior and the development of cult-like mystical thinking. And as 
a resource for this. He used a lot of academic papers that were published by um, sociologists and psychologists who studied how cults work in real life. And he began to try to apply some of this to this kind of tribal thinking that takes place, uh, particularly in progressive PC culture, in which people are people have a, a sort of uh, mystical belief in uh, sort of transcendental outcomes that their that their values are going to produce in the world, um, and how you know typically. And I'm not doing a very good job of of describing this, but the reason I bring this up is that the kind of biased reporting and uh, and death of journalism that we're describing is leading directly to this kind of world that. If you're tuning into MSNBC because you just like the way they report the news better than Fox, you're you're part of the problem here. Like, uh, I mean, I disagree with Fox News, but I don't think they shouldn't exist. Like, I think that people who have a, um, in a, a, a people who have a take on the way that news is, I think, should be able to report that. I just don't think that it's good to report it as the final word in the news. Like people who tune in and watch Fox News only, I think, have a real problem in the same way that people who tune in and watch MSNBC, MSNBC only have a real problem. Neither of them are getting very good objective news. I think it's good to watch both of them and then get a sense for for sort of either side of the debate. But I don't know that everybody's doing that. So I hope that no, wasn't of a way to describe this. But what I'm trying to say is this kind of cult-like thinking is, is a real problem. And I think it is actually being produced in the way that um, Sargon kind of described it in his most recent videos. Yeah, that's interesting. And, uh, well, to this comment on your last or, or your comment you made a moment ago about, you know, you don't think most people are doing that, that meaning getting, you know, uh, intentionally getting new sources from knowingly, um, conflicting sources. I would say that I'd be shocked if 5% of Americans do that. I'd be shocked if, Three percent did. I think most people uh, that want to get consistent news get it from one or two or three sources. They probably all lean the way that they do, and uh, and that's that. And so I don't see that changing anytime soon. And I, again, I don't have a, I don't have a final point here because to me, it's this is really for me. It was just about making people think about the objectivity of their their news sources because i just have too many conversations with too many people who would who would either cite a fox report or a cnn report and I, and i keep saying cnn i'm just using that as a placeholder for the variety of you know other examples i could give but they just give that they they cite that and 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 even worse is that they would often i mean be honest dude how many times have you heard someone from the left say oh you probably heard that on fox uh, yeah. If, I, yeah. if I had a nickel for every time I heard that, I'd have a lot of fucking nickels. And 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 interestingly, there's no there's no real counterpoint on the other side. I don't hear a lot of Republicans, you know, with an opposite statement. So um, this is a generational difference because I I hear people say in conversation, you probably read that on HuffPost or like, to, did you get that from the Atlantic? Or did you read that on, where's that? And if you really want to be dismissive of something somebody says, you'd be like, uh, yeah, you probably read that on Jezebel, right? Or something like that. Because it, I mean, those are, I mean, that's probably a generational difference. Those are things that are read by millennials 
uh, almost. Yeah, that is a generational difference. But but my point, but my point, you're, you're just reinforcing my point, which is there's some source that people would just dismiss, or multiple sources that people just dismiss. So it's not just yeah. that yes. they're leaning on a source or some small number of sources that they deem legitimate, but they're at the same time they're dismissing your similar sources. So that's like a double whammy of sorts. You know, they see to use a, a biblical analogy. You know, they see the they, they see the, the they they don't see the plank in their own eye, but they see the speck in yours. And there's a lot of that behavior in the world today. A lot of it in America. Hell, I'm sure I do it personally uh, more times than I would admit or probably even realize. Uh, but you know, it is what it is, and I hope that you know. Um, uh, I don't really have anything more to say here on this point. I think I think I've said about all I wanted to say, and I just hope that people would take from it what you will. Again, this wasn't meant to be an attack on any one side of the equation or any individual or any political person. It was really just think and get information from multiple sources. And if you really care about what's going on in this country— I just think you kind of owe it to yourself to do that, and you owe it to other people, quite frankly, as well, to to make you know good decisions because we we participate in a process, or at least we think we do, where we have some say in the direction of this great country, and I think we should take that responsibility very seriously and do a lot of independent thinking uh, and 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 discussing and discussing with people who may not agree with us. And uh, just trying again w- for the sole motive of trying to get to the to the truth for the inherent advantage of getting to the truth and all the implications beyond that. Well, I think that's extremely well said. Like I think I, I mean I, I honestly I couldn't I, I don't think you could say it better. I think that was I think it was very well said. Thanks, man. Well, this has been an interesting episode, and uh, Brendan, as always, thank you for your. Always valuable insights. I was telling a friend the other day, and I was telling her about this show, and and I was I, I one of the things I love about doing it is that I always learn stuff from you. You always you always share stuff yeah. here that I didn't know about. Like I've never heard of Jezebel until this conversation. I have no idea what it is, so I'm going to look it up and <laughs> yeah, uh, and, and immediately dismiss it. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, just keep it in mind when you start talking to girls in their early 20s, because that's a big news source for them. Well, Lord <laughs> knows I do a lot of that. Uh, so thanks, everybody, for listening. Brendan, thank you, as always. And until next time, uh, you know, enjoy your life, make good decisions, get good information from somewhere. And we'll see you next time on Uncle You. Thanks, Brendan. Thanks, Uncle Mike. Take care.